How many times in the average week will you have a full-blown conversation with yourself? I'm not talking a low-level exchange, for example, should I have another glass of wine? Yeah, go and have another glass. But you've had enough, go on, just have one more glass. Like, that's that's low-level, that's... That's amateur. I'm talking full-on script with dialogue, stage directions, you trying to talk yourself out of doing something that you want to do because you're scared or because it's going to involve you taking a mild step out of your comfort zone. Like, how often will you have those inner exchanges? I, like, had a 20-minute conversation with myself this week and... I'm curious to find out how common that is, because if it turns out that it is quite common to have full-on, full-blown exchanges, I will feel more at peace with the one I had, and I'm going to share that with you in a bit. Also, Philip Schofield, one of Britain's most high-profile TV personalities, is gay, and he announced it live on daytime TV on Friday. Now, for one very specific reason, I think his announcement was inappropriate, and I'll explain why later. Plus, for the first time ever, I have conducted one of my social experiments without a camera, right? This time, it's just me, a big idea, and a discreet, hidden audio recorder, and I'm so excited to share it with you. But first, hey, how are you? What's been the highlight of your week? I've had a couple of highlights. I've had a couple of dips, as I mentioned earlier on, when I've kind of tried to talk myself out of shit for reasons that I'm almost embarrassed about, but I'm going to share it with you. They're artistic reasons. I would argue any artist listening to this will relate. That's my prediction. But first, let's begin with your thoughts and comments from last week. Now, every comment I'm going to share with you this week comes from one person, and this guy has taken a real deep dive into episode two, which you can listen to if you've not caught it yet. But he's really going in and he's asking some really probing questions. He's made some interesting observations. Let's call this guy Dan. Dan's first comment is related to my dilemma when I recently went to see a TV producer in London. She was super nice and to thank her for her time and her consideration and her interest... When I got back to Sheffield, I sent some cupcakes to her to enjoy with her colleagues. And the the main concern I had was whether or not it was okay for me to mention as I was recounting the story to you. I just, she was like really pretty. It was the first thing I noticed. So I asked whether that was okay or was it objectifying her? And Dan writes, my thoughts on using beauty as an adjective I welcome the woke movement, but only see it as a natural progression of political correctness as we continue to clumsily find our way towards a more progressive and accepting society. I think it's ridiculous to expect that you can no longer describe people as pretty or handsome, but like most things, it depends on context. I think as long as you don't use it to objectify the person in question in a way that reduces them to just that. Now, Dan's comment regarding the woke, because I actually don't have a problem with what the woke culture is 
attempting to accomplish. I just don't like the word woke. I don't actually know why it's called woke. I should have probably done some research before I started this podcast, but I just, it sounds shit. <laughs> and I work in words, like, you know, when I do copywriting for brands, I don't know, woke, it just sounds shit. So I agree with everything you say, dude. I just wish someone would change the name. That is my only request of humanity, please. Thank you for listening. Dan's second point is regarding trolls, because I shared with you again last week in episode two, I took you into the depths of my direct messages on social media, and I shared some exchanges that I've had with one guy who I guess you would probably characterise as a troll, and that exchange took a surprising turn, and an impressive turn on his part as well, when he conceded that his actions were probably not necessarily the best. So, I asked what you think of trolling, or indeed, have you ever trolled? And Dan's question I wasn't expecting this. Dan said, CK, just finished listening to the podcast. So, a question for you. Have you ever, in your time, trolled online? To which I replied, great question, albeit a difficult one to answer. Because with age, my memory is getting more shit. And (laughs) while I have no memory of trolling... That isn't to say I haven't been a dick and basically forgotten. And it got me thinking it was such a good question. While I was there in episode two, banging on about trolls, it made me think, well, hang on a minute, dude. Like when you first started out making content and publishing it online, or indeed when the internet just exploded and you remember AOL chat rooms, AOL, by the way, Christ, like everyone had a chat room at one point. Did Hotmail have a chat room? Like, chat rooms, like, I, I remember being quite intrigued by the principle of, like, just strangers engaging. And, and I don't have any memory of trolling, but I find it inconceivable that I wouldn't. Then I started thinking, well, hang on a minute, was it trolling or was it just you... Was it just you making comments for no reason other than you were bored? And it got me thinking, what is trolling? Because even before episode two, I didn't actually have the recognised definition. So I put into Google internet trolling and wikipedia defines trolling as this and i was hoping this would give me an answer to figure out whether or not i've done it so let me tell you what wikipedia characterizes as internet trolling they say a troll is a person who starts quarrels or upsets people on the internet to distract or sow discord by posting inflammatory and digressive extraneous or off-topic messages in an online community, such as a news group, forum, chat room, or blog, with the intent of provoking readers into displaying emotional responses and normalising tangential discussion, whether for the troll's amusement or a specific gain. Now, two things. Firstly, excuse me, what the fuck are you talking about? I mean, Jesus Christ. Secondly, once I decoded that bollocks, I started thinking, yeah, I mean, there's, it's inconceivable that when I started out and I was young and I was immature, I wouldn't have posted comments. It's inconceivable that I would not have posted comments with a view to just amusing people or provoking a thought. I would never have gone to the extremes of, you know, calling someone out on, on, on physical appearance or anything of that ilk. But 
I'd have, I'd have almost certainly thrown something in forums just out of boredom. And according to this definition of trolling by Wikipedia, that makes me a troll. But I think I might be all right with that. <laughs> I think it depends on how you define a troll. What about you? Like, have I, I've just read that. Did you identify with having done anything of that nature some time ago? Because, yeah, you know, when I was working in radio, when I started working in radio, hospital radio, internet radio in my early 20s, I was just excited about the internet like everybody else. And sometimes excitement just boils over into dickhead. So it is conceivable, according to this definition, that I might have been a troll. I'm glad I did that research into what a troll was, though, because I always just assume a troll is someone who is... who is singling someone out based on their beliefs, their appearance, their religion, their age, their sex, whatever. And according to this, it can sometimes just be someone who's a provocative wanker. So, <laughs> so I'm in fascinating. Thanks, Wikipedia. But that was actually pertinent for something that happened to me this week when I, I've never done this before, but I felt, compelled to do so for a reason I'll explain. There's a film that I went to see on Tuesday, I think, and it's called Queen and Slim. I was so excited to see this film for weeks because it was directed and is directed by one of my favourite ever music video directors, Melina Matsukas. And like I said, I used to work in radio, so I was like really into music back then. I was really into music culture. I was really into music videos. And at the time, she was just banging out music videos that were awesome. Like, if, I'm going to get really granular here, so forgive me if you just switch off out of boredom. But for example, she directed music videos for Beyonce and she directed Closer for Neo. If you've ever seen Closer the video by Neo with the neon lights and the motorbike. I just love that video. And I, and I just thought, she also directed a lot of videos for my crush at the time, Kerry Hilson. She directed a lot of videos for Kerry Hilson, actually, um, including, oh God, Energy, which was great. And Return the Favour with Timberland. Again, you're probably all asleep now, but like these were songs that I loved. And I just remember, wow, the same humans directing this. So here she is like 10 years later, making her first feature film. So I was excited. Long story short, the film didn't do it for me for two very specific reasons. It didn't have any jeopardy and it didn't have any conflict. The film is about a young couple, African-American couple who are pulled over as they're driving home from their first ever date. Things go wrong. The cop is very heavy handed. He threatens the young girl things just go from bad to worse and ultimately the cop ends up getting killed in the fracas and then the two flee for their the two flee and they're kind of going cross country on this mini road trip and that's the problem it just felt like a road trip they were just the way it was shot it almost looked like they were just having a laugh having fun i didn't feel like they were concerned about their impending imprisonment 
which in itself I wouldn't mind, but the, the way they were speaking, we were meant to believe that they did care and they were fearful, but half of the time they were just laughing and it was just weird and there was no jeopardy. I didn't feel like anyone was on their back on their case and I did this video. I came out of the cinema, I pulled out my phone and I did this video saying why I was not impressed with the film. I've never done that before and I think the reason I did it on this instance is it was on the back of two other films which I felt mediocre and I was just getting sick of paying money for shit. The film before that, that I saw was Just Mercy and the film before that was Uncut Gems. Both of them didn't do it for me and I was sick of seeing tripe. So I pulled out my phone and I started talking about why the film didn't work for me and why I was not surprised that it was the writer's first ever feature screenplay, right? The person that wrote the screenplay was her first feature. She does like TV series beyond this. And the lack of jeopardy, the lack of conflict just screamed to me of someone who is not necessarily seasoned. I did the video and I was about to upload it. And this is where I had a huge crisis of confidence about posting that video. And then I descended into this whole dialogue with myself, telling myself not to post it. And I'm going to recreate that conversation with you now. I'm going to play both roles in this <laughs> in this exchange. I'm going to adopt both roles. I'm going to play me who wants to post it. And I'm going to play me who under no circumstances thinks he should post it. And this is how the conversation went. Da -da 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 -da. Okay, this film's fucking annoyed me. This is why it's annoying me. I'm going to post this on Instagram because I'm sick of fucking seeing films that aren't doing it for me. Right, post. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Dude, what are you doing? What do you mean? What are you doing? I'm just posting. I'm just posting this video I've just made about Queen and Slim. Yeah, but in the video, you're saying that you think the writer is not seasoned and you actually use the word immature writing. Yeah, so what's the problem? Well, the problem's pretty obvious to me, dude. What do you mean? Well, I, I, okay, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, CK, but let me put it to you this way. You might not like the script and you might be irritated by the fact that there's no jeopardy, no conflict, but aren't you forgetting the main point here? I don't know, what, what's the main point? Well, she has one Hollywood feature and you have fuck all. Apart from the odd short film documentary, which, you know, again, don't offend you. Mostly shot on your phone, dude. So what? So what? Mate, um, I'm not sure you should be questioning her credentials as a writer. Put the phone down, go home, drink tea. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, actually, to be fair. I mean, yeah, you're damn right, it's a good point. You know what's going to happen if you post that video, don't you? Uh, what? I'll, let me tell you what's going to happen. You post that video and all of a sudden you're presenting yourself to be some expert in filmmaking, which, by the way, you're not. You're posting a video about a, an esteemed writer who has won TV Emmys. Yes, this is her first film, but she's won Emmys for TV, dude. You've won a couple of awards at Doc Weekly, which to be fair, I'm proud of you for, but it doesn't really compare. Anyway, not the point. I don't think you should post it because it looks like you're suddenly presenting yourself as the know-all. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I see your point. Um, I don't know, but it's, but, it's, but it's my opinion. Fuck your opinion. Just put the phone down. So the conversation progressed for a while and I started listening to me telling me not to post it and it was a real it was a real like 
pivotal moment because then I thought to myself, well, my motivation here isn't, my motivation here is pure, right? I'm not here just being a dickhead, throwing opinions out there for no reason. This is how I feel about this film. And this is why I feel this way about this film. It was just an opinion, one that was underpinned by critique, sure, but it was opinion that wasn't driven by, I don't know the word I'm looking for. I wasn't looking to be antagonistic. I was just sharing an opinion. And then the voice piped up again. He went, all right, dude, I can tell that you're you're close to posting this. I'm just going to give you one last thing to think about. All right, go on. What is it? Well, you have aspirations beyond where you are now. Like you, you maybe want to do some cool projects in the States. You, you know, you've got aspirations for net. You've got aspirations. Now, do you really want something living online that could hamper if it's seen by the wrong person? What do you mean hamper? Well, you know, someone might see it. You've, t- you, you've used hashtags. You've actually hashtagged it, right? So it's not inconceivable that someone from the studio might see it and suddenly was this bell end, do some research into you. Make sure they think, right, if ever we cross this guy, don't use him. That might happen, mate. So, you know, just don't post the video. (laughs) Now, to be fair, that was a very compelling argument, right? Once I started thinking about being blacklisted, then I thought, I'm very proud of me at this point because I just thought to myself, fucking hell, look at you, you egotistical bellend, assuming anyone gives a shit about the opinion of CK Golding. And even if they did give a shit about CK Golding, for them to suddenly put you on a list... Mate, do me a favour, before you before you get up and walk home, just climb out your own arse, because it's really dark up there. And that was a compelling argument for me when I said, climb out your own arse, it's dark up there, because it was. And I realised, you know what, this is dangerous. This was really dangerous territory that I was on. I mean, it was stupid, first and foremost, let's just get that out of the way. I mean, fucking hell. But at the very least, I'm giving you guys an insight into the shit that goes on in my head. You know I'm an overthinker. Like, there's a film called 61 Hugs, The Rehabilitation of an Overthinker. That hasn't dissipated. I think people think 61 Hugs cured me. Jesus. All that did was made me realise what... It just made me realise the depths of the overthinking. And far from it am I cured. I'm just now more acutely aware of it. And I think that's half the battle sometimes, being aware of the bullshit you're telling yourself or the bullshit rabbit holes you descend into. When I was descending into this rabbit hole of being blacklisted, I just thought to myself, do you know what? If they're going to blacklist you, first of all, it's not going to happen because as we've established, that's just ridiculous. You seem to have a very high opinion of yourself. And second, just post a damn video. This was me talking. This wasn't the voice. This was me fighting the voice. And I like this fight because two years ago, I wouldn't have had that fight. I'd have just given in to dickhead piping up, right? And... I'm concerned with those voices because I think a lot of artists capitulate and just crumble to that voice. Because here's the question. Fundamentally, all I want you to tell me is that exchange that I had between me and me, how common is it? Because I'm assuming not that many people go into that level of exchange. But as I said at the top of the show, if it turns out that that is quite common, it will be comforting to me. I've never asked this before and because I've never had an outlet to do so. But it just dawned on me. This is this podcast is a perfect opportunity to find out from other artists or other humans the extent of their inner dialogue. So please, I would adore to know the length of your inner dialogue, if at all. I know there's probably going to be some smug bastard out there. It's like, I never have that discussion. If I wanted to post the video, I just post it. And you know, I'm, I'm like properly jealous. I want to be that person for at least a day because it would be exquisite to just do stuff without second guessing 
Jesus, it'd just be, it'd be bliss. So yeah, let me know. Let me know how, how common that is. Long story short, by the way, I did post a video because I just thought, it, it just worried me that I almost didn't, to be honest. Uh, it, I was just acutely aware that all this second guessing and trying to keep ourselves safe from the unknown, are we really keeping ourselves safe or are we just actually making ourselves weak and conflict averse? Because my argument would be that conflict keeps us, keeps us strong and resilient, surely, right? If we're all just crumbling at the first sight of conflict or putting someone's nose out of joint, I'm not sure that that's necessarily for the best, certainly for human and personal development. And as I said, I think it comes down to motives. If your motive is to upset, antagonize, then 100% don't just be a dick. Don't post a video. But if your motivation is coming from a place of genuine, sincere opinion rooted in, this is why this film didn't do it, do it for me. And bear in mind, by the way, that I want to get better. Like, I'm so proud of the content that I've released over the last couple of years. And I want to continue to do so. And in able to do that, I need to get better. So I'm kind of analysing things more. And I think that's probably why the last three films I've seen, I've had a lacklustre experience because maybe I'm just more aware of the mechanics of how writing happens now and when I and when I see things that aren't engaging me I'm then asking myself why isn't this engaging me make no mistake I've outlined quite clearly that it was the absence of conflict and jeopardy that didn't do it for me in this film I can say with absolute certainty I didn't even know that conflict and jeopardy were things that make films work until like I started doing some research in the last year and I've learned that the most successful screenwriters load their scripts with conflict and jeopardy throughout and to explain this, I'm going slightly off topic here, but what the hell? I watched over Christmas Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. I watched Toy Story 1 years ago, but I've never seen 2 and 3. But as I watched Toy Story 1, I saw things that I was never aware of when I first watched it, or indeed the times I've watched it after that, and it was just so obvious to me. The thing about the, the reason Toy Story is so, so good is it's just conflict back-to-back -back conflict even when you think Woody or Buzz have solved the problem there's another one round the corner within seconds and that is such a compelling watch and it was on BBC One this Christmas and I was watching and I was like wow how did I never notice this and the reason I never noticed this is because I hadn't done the research and figured out that scriptwriters intentionally and deliberately put conflict and jeopardy in their scripts in abundance because from a viewer's point of view it just it it it, it invests us in their journey right and honestly when i watched toy story one for the first time this christmas it was just a real eye-opener because i thought how did i never see the mechanics of this film before and as I said, because I've never researched it before. So there's the reason. I want to know if you have a full-blown conversation with yourself. And do you think that I should have posted that video? If you want to watch the video I posted, by the way, then it's on my Facebook page. It's also on my Instagram feed. And it's basically me walking out of the cinema and just having a mild rant. So go check it out. And on the exact same subject of trolling and inner conflict i want to talk about philip schofield for a minute because this week philip schofield 
one of the most iconic TV presenters on British TV who is fast approaching 30 years on our telly this week came out as gay. Now, if you're one of the humans who has yet to see the clip, let me just play a little bit for you just so you're up to speed. This is Phil talking to co-host Holly and announcing he is gay live on national TV. Let's have a listen to this. I guess there'll be people watching this that think, why now? Why yeah. is this the moment? To, I, to... And, and, and it's a good question. I, the thing is that you, you, you know this has been bothering me yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and I think everybody does these things at their own speed, at their own time, mm-hmm. when they feel the time is right. And there's no question that it has, in recent times consumed my head yeah um and has become an issue in my head um and so i got to the stage where i thought we sit here every day Mm -hmm. and i'm over there Mm -hmm. and some amazingly brave incredible person is sitting here and i'm listening to their story and thinking oh my god you're so brave oh my god you're so brave and I'm thinking, I have to be that person. Yeah. I have to be that that person. Because I think all you can be in your life is honest with yourself. Yeah. And I was getting to the point where I knew I wasn't honest with myself. I was getting to the point where I didn't like myself very much because I wasn't being honest with myself. Every, I, every time I watch that clip, I fucking love Phil Scopefield. A little bit more because I mean, for a number of reasons, but the way he, the way he articulated how he's felt for the last God knows how many years presenting, I think he, that analogy he used was exquisite about he's talking to guests about their sexuality and about them coming out or whatever. And he sat there wearing two hats, one, the hat of a presenter and two, the hat of a gay man who, is hiding the fact he's a gay man. And that kind of just blew my mind. I was thinking, Jesus Christ, imagine that conflict day after day. And the way he, the way he explained it just kind of really crystallised it for me. And I just felt, what a dude. And yeah, that must have been difficult as fuck. And I, when I think about Philip Schofield, I just think about coming home from school at the age of, how old would I have been? Like eight, nine, ten, switching on children's BBC, him dicking about in the broom cupboard with Gordon the Gopher. And they're some of the happiest times of my life. I can't lie. And I've always been impressed with how he's kind of pivoted his career. Because there was a period when he was was out in the wilderness and he just came back and he's presenting one of the biggest TV shows on British TV. And I've always been on Team Phil. And watching him say that, I was even more on Team Phil. And I don't know... it, it 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 was just one of those moments that I just really felt for another human being, despite the fact that I'm usually quite robotic on my insides. And it's like, yeah, yeah, where's my tea, right? And there there was Eamon's response because Eamon and Ruth, co-hosts, came onto the show, and Eamon cracked a joke 
And I didn't see the jokes. I didn't watch this live. I just saw Twitter going nuts about something Eamon said. And everyone was saying that's inappropriate. That's not helpful. That's a ridiculous thing to say. And I jumped onto YouTube to find out exactly what Eamon said. And this is what Eamon said. He has two questions for Phil. And it's the second question that everybody took exception to or the second observation. Let me play it for you now. We, as Holly said, we're all here by your side. We'll be the first to stand beside you. So, um, absolutely brilliant, man. As long as, you know, Steph's happy, family, the girls are happy, everything. Thank everybody you. must They're be happy for They're all that matters, really, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. And, doing, and doing it, and that's, you know, doing it right. I didn't, you know. Ugh. You feel better well, now. I'm breathing. I just think you've been waiting for this moment breathe. for a long time. I know. And breathe. It's, um, <laughs> I, I'm disappointed in a couple of ways. Um, <laughs> yeah. First of all, I thought, there was a big announcement from Philip and I thought you were going to come in and announce you'd resigned. And <laughs> now, that was hilarious. I'll give Eamon that one. It's what he says next that everybody online or most people online took exception to. So that wasn't to be. And the second is there's this great imponderable in life, which has always irritated me. And I thought, how come he can sit in a hot tub with Holly Willoughby? <laughs> And Steph doesn't have a problem and Dan doesn't have a problem. Holly is... This, I, I, for, for. So what he's basically saying is, I now understand how you've been able to be in a hot tub with your, with your attractive co-host and her husband not minding and your wife not minding because all these years you've been gay and everybody knew. Now, I actually found that... I love that comment because it was funny. It was the kind of, you know, top comics would probably write something like that. And everybody, so many people online were up in arms. It's not helpful. It's inappropriate. And I was thinking, is it? I'm not sure. Because as far as the last time I looked, in times of deep stress, anxiety and upset, nothing is a more efficient cure than levity and happiness and laughter. And as far as I'm aware, that's what Eamon was trying to do. So I was just really confused by the uproar. And once again, to prove what an icon Philip Schofield is, he actually tweeted, I wish I had the tweet in front of me, but I haven't. He basically tweeted, can I please say what my friend and co-host Eamon Holmes said about the hot tub? I needed that. It was funny and it lightened the moment. Love you, Eamon. Thank you. And I was just shocked that before he posted that tweet, everybody was getting offended on his behalf and I just didn't get it I mean it's I don't know I just I just I just found everybody's discontent with Eamon's comment just odd it was very odd to me and again I think it comes down to intent what was Eamon trying to do he was trying to say mate you know what I've always loved you and that and I will continue to love you and I've got one question though and now I understand it and I thought it was great but here's the thing there is one thing about the announcement on mainstream TV that bothered me that I thought was inappropriate. And that was the huge fanfare and the applause and the outpouring of support and joy that was coming from everybody, including the floor crew that were kind of cheering him and laughing him, etc., etc. And why did that bother me? The reason it bothered me is very simple. I just watched it all thinking, isn't it a shame that... We're in 2020 and someone saying that they're gay is cause for celebration rather than just a fact that ultimately nobody gives a shit about, right? I mean, honestly, it was intriguing, it was fascinating, it was surprising, but I was a little bit 
as I reflected more on it, I was a little bit upset that it was a cause for, for a huge fanfare because I just wish nobody gave a toss. Listen, guys, my position on homosexuality has always been the same. It's never changed for as long as I can remember. And the best way for me to explain it is this. And please don't be offended. But the fact is, whatever you decide to do after listening to this podcast, right, I'm 97.8% sure I won't give a shit about it, right? <laughs> Seriously, it's very unlikely I'll give a shit about it. Now, if you're a dude and you finish listening to this podcast and then you start stroking your fellas' bits, my only request is fucking enjoy it, right? Seriously, we're here on this earth for like 90 years. 40 to 50% of that time is spent doing shit we'd rather not, like exams, work, talking to stupid people, right? All we owe ourselves is to spend the remaining times savouring and enjoying the moment. And I just want everybody to just enjoy and savour the moment. And I just genuinely do. Stroke your dude's balls and Jesus Christ, savour it. Equally, right? If you're a woman and after this episode, you want to start suckling at your girlfriend's boobs, then for fuck's sake, can you email me? your address right I, I promise you i'll be inconspicuous all right i'll make teas and coffees if you want i just i might i just like to be there <laughs> honestly it's just uh I, and i started thinking how in my dream world the way phil would have announced that he's gay i'd have loved it if it was just a complete throwaway Oh, by the way, right, you know, like he announced on Friday, he announced it during Friday's show at the very start, and they dedicated like 30 minutes to his interview and all that jazz, right? I'd have loved it if they'd have gone the complete opposite route, and it was just tagged on to the end of the episode, right? He He's he's promoting next week's shows, right? This, uh, right? this is what I would have liked to have seen Phil do, right, at the end of the show when it comes to announcing his gay. I'd have loved it if it went, okay, so join us next week when we meet the woman with three vaginas. We'll also be talking to a man who left his wife for an 18-year-old Vauxhall Corsa. And we'll also be talking to the dog that thinks it's Jay-Z. Oh, oh, and by the way, I'm gay. That's all I ask. All I ask is complete apathy. And I was thinking about this as well. Like, why why would complete apathy when it comes to people's sexuality be preferable? And the, the only comparison I could draw was think about parenting, right? It's universally recognized that if you have a kid and the very first time your kid falls over and maybe bumps itself on something, right? Usually it's acknowledged that the best way to deal with that is to just ignore it. Assuming that they're not harmed in any way, just ignore it. Because the last time I looked, right, babies process according to watching how other people respond to any given situation, 
Right, so if they look up and see, oh, she's not bothered. All right, nothing major has unfolded here. It's fine. I'll just get up and I'll try and walk again. Right, and I just think because such a fanfare was built around Phil coming out, it's still suggesting that, you know, this is a big deal. And to me, it's not a big deal. I don't know about you. If I'm genuinely fascinated. You think it's a big deal. I think if it had just tagged it on, I think as a society, rather than celebration, it's time to start exploring total ambivalence when it comes to people's sexuality. And the first person that comes out and just tags on their announcement and then just completely ignores it, that'll become a thing. And they'll be like, oh, well, I guess it's not a thing anymore. What do you think? Do you think it would have been more appropriate for him to just tag it on at the end of the show? I mean, obviously, people would have been annoyed by that, right? People get annoyed about everything. Right, someone would have been annoyed by him tagging it on and just thinking it, it doesn't matter, right? You can just imagine, oh, well, that's not appropriate way to declare your sexuality. For God's sake, that was flippant and it was irresponsible. It's a big deal. This is a big deal. There, there, there are young children out there and it's a big deal for them. They don't want to see you making light of it. To which, in my utopia world, Phil would say, hang on a minute. First of all, I'm gay. It's my life. Please allow me to live mine so that you can live yours. Second of all, I'm gay. It's my life. Please allow me to live mine and you live yours. And finally, can I just say, there's a man shagging a one litre diesel on next week's show. Your moral indignation might be better spent elsewhere. Now piss off. We have... One more comment from Dan, and this is my favourite. And Dan is talking about the dilemma that I presented to you in episode two, where I said, having had the meeting with Lola, the TV producer, to thank her for her time, I sent her four cupcakes via Deliveroo for her to enjoy with her colleagues. And she sent me an email thanking me. She received the gesture in the manner which it was intended. But then I started questioning myself, as you've probably gathered, there's a pattern here. I questioned myself a lot. I started questioning would I have sent four cupcakes to a dude TV producer or in the interest of proper grammar, a male TV producer apologies and I was absolutely convinced that I would not have and I said that in episode two and I asked you if you would have sent cupcakes to a male tv producer if you were in my position and Dan writes this CK I find your cupcake dilemma quite interesting it certainly made me stop and question if I would send a guy cupcakes I certainly felt more hesitant towards it as I would be sending them to a female I would be less hesitant but after some deliberation I think I would send a guy cupcakes I think my hesitancy had more to do with a strange gender bias I have with cupcakes in general, possibly as I think of cupcakes in themselves as cute and jokingly use it as a pet name from time to time. So I think my initial concern was more to do with worrying that a male recipient of cupcakes would wrongfully construe it as a questioning statement of their masculinity. But then I thought, nah, Fuck it. Everyone loves cupcakes. <laughs> so that's Dan's response. And I loved it. My first response was bravo. My second response was 
bullshit. Never, you would never send a male guy cupcakes. I'm not having it. The only reason you now think you would is you've had the benefit of us talking this out via this podcast. We've explored it and we've we've seemed to have reached the conclusion that our instinct is no. But once you actually reflect and chew it over more, you're quite annoyed that the instinct is no. When you actually start thinking, well, why shouldn't I send him cupcakes? You've had the benefit of this entire journey that we've gone through together. You've reached the conclusion that no, I'm going to send them. If this podcast didn't exist, Screw you! You would never send a guy cupcakes, and I'm not having it. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. I appreciate your comment. I genuinely appreciate you taking the time to send me that, but I think you're a lying scumbag. <laughs> That's my opinion. However, it did get me thinking this week. I hate the fact that I reached the conclusion that I wouldn't send a male TV producer cupcakes or any dude cupcakes as a thank you i hate the fact that's my response why can't i buy a dude cupcakes and that was the basis of something i want to share with you now such was the level of annoyance that i wouldn't i thought well actually you see the thing is with me i the older i get the more aware i am that for the most part my assumptions and my guesswork is bullshit and very rarely wrong, very rarely right, should I say. Often, you know, when I think, well, if I do that, this will happen. If on the rare occurrences that I actually test out my theory, it's very seldom that my theory stands up. So I thought, okay, I think it's weird to offer to buy or at least just buy a dude cupcakes, but is it? So I thought, well, what if I just went somewhere, approached the guy minding his own business in a coffee shop and offered to buy him a cupcake? What would happen? That was a tantalizing question and one I could not resist. Here we go. Okay, I am now in a bar stroke coffee shop in Sheffield called The Neighbourhood and the minute I walked in there was one guy I saw sitting on his own in the corner who is the perfect man to approach with this because I had objectives with this and I don't want to go up and approach someone who looks like a simple option the kind of person who's never going to turn down a muffin or the kind of person that I would think wouldn't turn on a muffin you know like a student type who just wants to be fed I wanted someone that was going to push me who felt like they might find this odd because there's no point doing this unless I'm willing to step into the fear so this guy he looks probably late 30s early 40s Short brown hair, glasses, he looks quite serious, like he might be a teacher, maybe. Look, he's just getting up. He's just suddenly got up for some reason. He appears to be dressing himself. Maybe he's going. Oh, I think he's leaving. You might have just heard the chair. Yep, he's leaving. Aborted, I repeat, aborted. Okay, I am now in the showroom cinema in Sheffield. It is maybe 10 minutes walk away from the neighborhood that I was at last. And the minute I walked in, there was a guy, once again, looks like a perfect target. Doesn't necessarily look like an easy approach. He's quite, I'd say he's probably again, late thirties, early forties. Dark hair, glasses, receding, he's quite a 
he's quite a built guy, not necessarily muscle built, just he's, he's, he's a big lad. Um, and he's working at his laptop, looks hard at work, so he might not appreciate being interrupted, which is why I thought he'd be the perfect guy. So I'm going to walk over now and give it a go. Let's see how this goes. Excuse me, mate. Excuse yes. me. Right, sorry to interrupt. Um, I would like to buy you a muffin, if I may. Why? Pardon? Why? Why? That's very nice. Oh, okay. Would you like yeah. to know the real reason? Uh, it's, yeah. it's not sinister. It's not sinister. Let me okay. tell you. Right, basically, I went down to London um, last um, two weeks ago. Okay. I had a meeting with a TV producer. Okay. And she was like super nice. She was a senior producer. She was really nice. She was super attentive. Really interested in what I do. Really helpful, supportive. And when I left, I thought, oh, I really appreciate their time because you don't often get that from senior TV people. So I thought, what can I do? When I got back to Sheffield, I ordered a bunch of cupcakes okay. to be sent to the office for her to enjoy with the team. She emailed me saying she really appreciated it. Then I thought, oh good, she took it the way it was received. Then I reflected and I thought, oh, that was nice, CK. But here's the question. Would you have done that for a dude? Okay. And my answer worries me, because my answer was no. Okay. And the minute I thought, why wouldn't you do it for a dude? My answer was, because he'd think it was weird. And I don't like the fact that I think that a guy would think it's weird. Um, so I want to redress that, and I'd like to buy you a muffin if you're, if you're open to it. I'm just about to leave to go into the cinema. Can you... <laughs> Buy me a muffin and then find some homeless guy and give it to him instead. Oh, wow. That is exceptional. What's your name, by the way? Richard. Richard, I'm CK. Hey. Nice to meet you, Richard. <laughs> um, that's a beautiful sentiment. Would you, would you, would you, so would you like to nominate your muffin elsewhere then to a homeless gentleman? Yes, that sounds good. Wow, what yeah. a remarkable gesture. I'm sure, I'm sure there's tons down the station. The weird thing is, Richard, actually, as I was walking down here, I saw him, I thought, actually, maybe I should do that anyway. <laughs> and so the fact you've actually said, do that, I can probably get my own if I need one. <laughs> That's really kind. Are you, are you generally quite a charitable, altruistic guy, or is it just you really don't want a muffin right now? <laughs> yeah, I've just, just finished eating. I'm not that hungry. I don't want to, I don't want to turn the gesture down because it's really nice. Oh, fine. I think there's probably someone who needs it more. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to leave you, but my final question, what did you think when I said I'd like to buy a muffin? Like, what was your instinct, your guttural instinct? Puzzled. There's, um... <laughs> What's the catch? I, I figured you were doing some sort of marketing or something and wanted, um, you know, my opinion on, I don't know, a leather phone case. <laughs> Fine, but now I know it was just purely because I want to not feel weird about doing yeah, nice things, right? Exactly. Fair enough. Listen, Richard, really nice talking Been to you, mate. All right. Have a good have, day. Have a great day, buddy. See yeah. ya. <laughs> Wow, can we all take a moment to just enjoy, salute and endorse Richard, what a guy. And I can't even stress how unlikely it is for him to nominate or reallocate his muffin to a homeless guy. Because as I was walking down here, I passed one homeless guy and I thought, is this really the best use of a muffin? Like who would appreciate it more? So for him to reallocate it, is wonderful and that is exactly what I'm going to do. So this is to be continued. Exquisite is the only word I can use to characterise how I felt during that exchange. I, I mean, Jesus, what a guy. He was like so engaged and interested, albeit not muffin ready. But <laughs> the fact he deferred and said, 
go find a homeless guy. Wow. I mean, stick around because I'm going to play the final part of this in a second where you will see what happens when I approached a homeless guy and offered to buy him a cupcake on behalf of Richard. But first, I want to introduce you to someone. I had a revelation this week when it suddenly dawned on me hang on a minute dude you've got a podcast you do know that you can now start shining a light on the people who you really enjoy and appreciate don't you and that was a beautiful thing because i just thought oh i wonder if Ryder would be open to sharing her new song on my podcast now you're probably thinking who what's a rider now let me tell you what a rider is it was 2018 and i can't remember how i stumbled across this uk singer songwriter producer and multi-instrumentalist but i just stumbled into this song called hurts me too and my 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 uh, something just happened to my innards something special just happened to my innards there's three things you need to know about me right the first one is i love 80s music the second one i love 80s music the third one i love all lemon based desserts but that's not important right now let's focus on one and two my love of 80s music i mean i can't even put into words i grew up through the 80s so i just adore it and Ryder, i just stumbled across this song called hurts me too which like every song she's released before and after has a foot in the 80s but it's produced today right now depending on which interview with Ryder you read there's different definitions of her style of music. The one that I've made up, which I think captures her style most efficiently and accurately, is new retro dream pop. I call it new retro dream pop because it's new, it's produced today, it's retro because it's got one foot in the 80s, it's just dreamy. One of the things I love most about her music is it's just got these, she she loves synths and strings and she has these big fat meaty choruses and it's fundamentally pop and I love when pop is done well. So new retro dream pop is how I define Ryder and it turns out that Hurts Me Too was my most listened to song of 2018. How do I know that? I don't know if you guys listen to Spotify, right? But they have this really cool feature at the end of the year where you as a con- as a user of Spotify can find out who you listen to the most from an artist's point of view, which song specifically you listen to. And those two things might not be the same. Like you might listen to one artist most in one year, but you listen to a song from a completely different artist most the same year it will tell you how many hours you spent on spotify the genre you listen to the most it's just a nice bit of fun and in 2018 when i used it i was expecting my most listened to song being something by the jezebels which is my favorite band in the world but my favorite song stunned me because it was hurts me too and i loved that because it was like oh cool here's this emerging artist that isn't necessarily on everybody's radar and she's at the top of my list and I love that and I tweeted at her and when our internet mates we chat and stuff and every song she releases I love and I wish to share with you her current release which she released about two weeks ago I would like you to meet Ryder. Hey this is Ryder. Uh, CK, thank you so much for playing my new single, On Your Mind. Um, Yeah, it's a song about when you're starting a new relationship with someone, you don't really know where you stand. You're not really together yet, and you're not really completely single either. And um, 
you know, and you're texting someone, but you don't get a reply that quickly or, and then it's like, Ooh, and you fall in love with them. And then you're like, wait, are we not together? It's just so confusing. And oh my God, it happened to me. And I had to write a song about it. <laughs> so it's called On Your Mind. And thank you again for your amazing support, UK. Lots of love. Bye. On Your Mind by Ryder Her 
latest single. Seriously, if, like me, you felt something beautiful, something nostalgic, something warm and uplifting and characterful about that song, please find her and hang out with her on all of her socials. She's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, under the handle Riders Music Page. Riders, R-I-D-E-R-S, music page. And also on Spotify, she has like about eight or nine singles available for you to enjoy. And my top three are thus. In at number three, I would go for Tell Nobody. And the thing I love about Tell Nobody, the music video, the accompanying music video, just like the song, has echoes of the 80s. And the thing I like about most about Ryder is that sometimes she'll just put random things on Instagram. I remember about sometime last year, she uploaded this photo of the old cartoon, Dennis. Do you remember Dennis? And I'm not talking about Dennis the Menace. Dennis was a different kid altogether. He was blonde hair, red dungarees, big red, hang on, big white dog. And Dennis was a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a rogue. He got up to mischief and I love Dennis. And she just randomly posted a screenshot about liking Dennis. She also, might I add, likes arguably one of the greatest films of all time, Flight of the Navigator. So I'm, I'm sharing this information with you just to let you guys know that her music sounds as it does, because she appears to have an unflinching love of retro 80s and you've got to hang out with her and my second favorite track of all time by Ryder I would have to give that accolade to A Little Light which surprisingly isn't necessarily as 80s influenced as many of her other tracks but I just really like it and I, I wasn't sure about it at first but then it just won a place in my heart great gym track A Little Light and then at number one I've referenced it already it was my most listened to track on Spotify in 2018, beating all the artists that I love. And it was Hurts Me Too. The track is called Hurts Me Too. And the first time I heard it, my immediate response was, it sounded like the best stuff Madonna did in the late 80s, early 90s. Think of all those slow to mid-tempo ballads like Crazy For You. Like Crazy For You by Madonna is always going to be one of my favourite tracks. And Hurts Me Too by Ryder has echoes of that. It's exquisite, exquisite. Synths, big fan. And I will be playing Hurts Me Too for you at the end of this episode. So stick about. Right, let's return to Cupcake Gate. I just attempted to buy a random dude, specifically male, a cupcake in a coffee shop. And he suggested I take my kindness and pass it on to a homeless guy, which was a beautiful thing. So I thought, okay, that's what I'll do. I retraced my steps and tried to find the homeless guy that I passed earlier on that day to offer to buy him a cupcake on behalf of Richard. This is what happened. Where I am now, coincidentally, is exactly halfway between the first place I tried and the last place I tried with Richard. And... On the way here, which is on Division Street in Sheffield, I have passed two other homeless people who I didn't stop to off to buy a muffin for because I wanted to go back to the first guy that I was telling Richard about that I passed and thought he's probably more worthy of a cake. So he is sitting outside 20 degree coffee 
on Division Street. He has a white blanket over his knees. He's sitting down against a coffee shop with a green coat, hood up. And I'm now gonna see if he would like a sweet treat on behalf of Richard. Hi mate, um, Richard would like to buy you a muffin. Do you, do you want a muffin? Uh, yeah. Do you have? Is there, is there anything, anything you can't eat? Uh, no. What's your name? Dean. Dean. Yeah. Okay, Dean. One muffin coming up, mate. You're welcome. Um, while I'm waiting in this queue to buy Dean a muffin, I'm going to pause it because there's nothing to see here. Pardon? Earlier when I came in, looked a bit lost. <laughs> I know. All right, mate, thank you. Um, I'm just wondering which muffin to go for. I can't even read what these say. We have a lemon muffin and a blueberry muffin. Well, we know where I'm going. Unquestionably, lemon muffin. Hi, mate. May I please have one lemon muffin for yeah. Dean? Thank you. Are you staying in? I'm not staying in. Away. Yes, that's you. everything, mate. Thank you, mate. How's your day been? Good, we've been very busy today. Um, quite a long shift, so I'm quite tired. Quite tired? I've only got two hours left. So. Oh well, have a great weekend dude. Thank you, I will. Bye. Okay, one lemon muffin. Dean, one muffin for you. No, you're fine. Um, yeah, basically, um, I was just, every now and again, I just go around and I just like do random things with strangers. And I just went into, a, do you know the showroom cinema near the train station? I just went in there and my thing was to ask a random stranger if he'd like me to buy him a muffin. And the guy asked, to your benefit, said, I can't, I've got to go and watch a film, but I would like you to just go and buy a muffin for the first homeless person. You see. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to assume, I'm just saying. So um, that's courtesy of Richard and slightly me. <laughs> No, mate, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Um, how are you? How's your day been? I mean, I don't know if that's a stupid question. Uh, been a bit crap, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Been crap today so far. Crap. Oh, yeah. Slow. Yeah, crap as it goes. Do you mean in terms of people helping you out with yeah, change and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just, yeah, it's just been a, I don't know, it just seems like one of them days. No one seems to be smiling or all. No. That's the really... first person to like come along with a bit of joy in the step and whatnot. So. Does that's in, do you notice? That's a really interesting observation. Do you notice if people are happy? I mean, whether or not they yeah, help you with change, like, do you notice things like that? Like, yeah, whether people yeah, are smiling yeah, or whether yeah. they're miserable? Yeah, yeah. Some days, yeah, some days you notice it more than others, you know what I mean? 
that's really interesting. Well, usually, you know, on a Friday, people are a bit happy, you know, because it's Friday weekend and what have you. But people look a bit down today. <laughs> that's really interesting. Fair enough. Well, May, I don't know if you like lemon muffins. I mean, I'm yeah, a, I'm a yeah, massive yeah. lemon yeah. dessert nerd, so I hope I hope that's yeah, all right yeah, for you. Listen, I hope you all right, Thank pal. You You're welcome, pal. All right, take care. Thank take care, dude. Yeah, Ta-da. Thank you. Thank you. I guess the biggest takeaway from that then is, and I'm becoming more and more mindful of this if I'm going to be honest, like what do I or anybody else with the roof have to be down, disenfranchised or Mardi about? For my non-Yorkshire listeners, Mardi means, <laughs> Mardi means grumpy in Yorkshire. And I think Dean offered some real insight there. It's true though, isn't it? I guess if you spend a lot of time just sitting on the street, you're gonna observe people's faces. Almost unintentionally, you know, you're just gonna watch people walking by and you'll notice if people are full of joy or upset or just pure apathy. Well said, Dean. And thank you, Richard. I can't even tell you how much I've enjoyed this week's show. And I wish to leave you with three pieces of homework. Homework one is, I want you to let me know the extent, if at all, you have internal conversations with yourself. Similar, or maybe not, to the one I shared with you earlier on when I had the inner conflict about whether or not I should post critique about the US screenwriter. I shared with you the extent to which I almost took myself out of that and everything else. Like, that is not uncommon for me. That is very common. I'll have, like, a conversation like that with myself probably minimum, like, four times a week. So I'm, I'm really keen to gauge how common that is. So send me a message wherever you follow me, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let me know, and I will share your response anonymously next week. Homework two... Do you think we'll ever get to the stage when someone coming out as gay is just completely a side? It's just a side dish. Nobody's bothered. Like, oh, cool, fine. What's next? Will we ever get there in our lifetime? I 100% believe we will get there one day, but in my lifetime, I'm not sure. What do you think? Yay or nay? Again, let me know on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And finally, your third piece of homework is to find Ryder online and show her some love of course only if you've enjoyed the first song that i played and i'm going to leave you this week with the song that introduced me to Ryder, my most listened to track of 2018 according to the spotify stats i love this track so much find her online all her handles are Ryder's music page this is hurts me too see you next week Every morning when I wake up I Hopes will get by